Good evening. I hope you've had a great day today. Welcome to BVJ's Bedtime Stories. I'm BVJ, Big Voice J, and this is the show where we get you ready for a good night's sleep with public domain short stories for kids and adults to enjoy. Tonight's stories, The Ant and the Grasshopper, The Emperor's New Clothes, and The Princess and the Pea. If you're watching us live, you can follow along as we read at twitch.tv slash bigvoicej. We begin with Aesop's The Ant and the Grasshopper. One bright day in late autumn, a family of ants were bustling about in the warm sunshine, drying out the grain they had stored up during the summer, when a starving grasshopper, his fiddle under his arm, came up and humbly begged for a bite to eat. What? cried the ants in surprise. Haven't you stored anything for the winter? What in the world were you doing all last summer? I didn't have time to store up any food, whined the grasshopper. I was so busy making music that before I knew it, the summer was gone. The ants shrugged their shoulders in disgust. Making music, were you? They cried. Very well. Now dance. And they turned their backs on the grasshopper and went on with their work. There's a time for work and a time for play. Yeah, it's a lot longer, shorter than I remember this story. Let's get another Aesop fable in here while we're while we're waiting. Well, uh, that was way too. Uh, that was way. That was shorter than I thought it was. Let's try another Aesop fable. The Bat, the Bramble, and the Seagull A bat, a bramble, and a seagull went into partnership and were determined to go on a trading voyage together. The bat borrowed a sum of money for his venture. The bramble laid in a stock of clothes of various kinds. And the seagull took a quantity of lead. And so they set out. By and by a great storm came on and their boat with all the cargo went to the bottom. But the three travelers managed to reach land. Ever since then the seagull flies to and fro over the sea and every now and then dives below the surface looking for the lead he's lost. While the bat is so afraid of meeting his creditors that he hides away by day and only comes out at night to feed. And the bramble catches hold of the clothes of everyone who passes by, hoping someday to recognize and recover the lost garments. All men are concerned to recover what they lose and to acquire what they lack. Words to live by. 
Wouldn't you think Aesop would have been just fantastic at a party? Always got a story to tell. You remember the one about the eagle and the kite? This is one of Aesop's uh, uh, more esoteric ones. An eagle sat high in the branches of a great oak. She seemed very sad and drooping for an eagle. A kite saw her. Why do you look so woebegone? asked the kite. I want to get married, replied the eagle, and I can't find a mate who can provide for me as I should like. Take me, said the kite. I am very strong, stronger even than you. You really think you can provide for me? asked the eagle eagerly. Why, of course, replied the kite. That would be a very simple matter. I am so strong I can carry away an ostrich in my talons as if it were a feather. The eagle accepted the kite immediately. But after the wedding, when the kite flew away to find something to eat for his bride, all he had when he returned was a tiny mouse. Is that the ostrich you talked about at the eagle in disgust? To win you, I would have said and promised anything, replied the kite. Everything is fair in love. A lot of people are realizing that right about now. Because we have to spend so much time together. He's up was ahead of his time. Didn't even have a pandemic to fool around with. He was busy writing stories and making everybody learn in the very end of it. Like the story with the goose and the golden egg. There was once a countryman who possessed the most wonderful goose you can imagine. For every day when he visited the nest, the goose had laid a beautiful glittering golden egg. The countryman took the eggs to market and soon began to get rich. But it was not long before he grew impatient with the goose because she gave him only a single golden egg a day. He was not getting rich fast enough. Then one day, after he had finished counting his money, the idea came to him that he could get all of the golden eggs at once by killing the goose and cutting it open. But when the deed was done, not a single golden egg did he find, and his precious goose was dead. Those who have plenty want more, and so lose all they have. I believe it was the great port laureate, Biggie Smalls, who once opined, Mo money, mo problems. You can subscribe to the podcast at bedtimewithbvj.buzzsprout.com. Our next story is from Hans Christian Andersen The Emperor's New Clothes. Many years ago, there was an emperor who was so excessively fond of new clothes that he spent all his money in dress. He did not trouble himself in the least about his soldiers, 
nor did he care to go either to the theater or the chase, except for the opportunities then afforded him for displaying new clothes. He had a different suit for each hour of the day, and as of any other king or emperor, one is accustomed to say, he is sitting in council. It was always said of him, the emperor is sitting in his wardrobe. Time passed merrily in the large town, which was his capital. Strangers arrived every day at the court. One day, two rogues, calling themselves weavers, made their appearance. They gave out that they knew how to weave stuffs of the most beautiful colors and elaborate patterns, the clothes manufactured from which should have the wonderful property of remaining invisible to everyone who was unfit for the office he held, or who was extraordinary, simple in character. These must indeed be splendid clothes, thought the emperor. Had I such a suit, I might at once find out what men in my realms are unfit for their office, and also to be able to distinguish the wise from the foolish. This stuff must be woven for me immediately. And he caused large sums of money to be given to both the wearers in order that they might begin their work directly. So the two pretended weavers set up two looms and affected the work very busily, though in reality they did nothing at all. They asked for the most delicate silk and the purest gold thread, put both into their own knapsacks, and then continued their pretended work at the empty looms until late at night. I should like to know how the weavers are getting on with my cloth, said the emperor to himself, after some little time had elapsed. He was, however, rather embarrassed when he remembered that a simpleton or one unfit for his office would be unable to see the manufacture. To be sure, he thought he had nothing to risk in his own person, but yet he would prefer sending somebody else to bring him intelligence about the wearers and their work before he troubled himself in the affair. All the people throughout the city had heard of the wonderful property the cloth was to possess, and all were anxious to learn how wise or how ignorant their neighbors might prove to be. I will send my faithful old minister to the weavers, said the emperor at last after some deliberation. He will be best able to see how the cloth looks, for he is a man of sense, and no one can be more suitable for his office than he is. So the faithful old minister went into the hall, where the knaves were working with all their might at their empty looms. What can be the meaning of this? thought the old man, opening his eyes very wide. I cannot discover the least bit of thread on the looms. However, he did not express his thoughts aloud. The impostors requested him very courteously to be so good as to come nearer their looms and then asked him whether the design pleased him and whether the colors were not very beautiful, at the same time pointing to the empty frames. 
The poor old minister looked and looked. He could not discover anything on the looms, for a very good reason. There was nothing there. What? thought he again. Is it possible that I am a simpleton? I have never thought so myself, and no one must know it now if I am so. Can it be that I am unfit for my office? No, that must not be said either. I will never confess that I could not see the stuff. Well, Sir Minister, said one of the knaves, still pretending to work, did you not say whether the stuff pleases you? Oh, it is excellent, replied the old minister, looking at the room through his spectacles. The pattern and the colors, yes, I will tell the emperor without delay. How very beautiful I think them. We shall be much obliged to you, said the impostors. And then they named the different colors and described the pattern of the pretended stuff. The old minister listened alternatively to their words in order that he might repeat them to the emperor. And then the knaves asked for more silk and gold, saying that it was necessary to complete what they had begun. However, they put all that was given them into their knapsacks and continued to work with as much apparent diligence as before at their empty looms. The emperor now sent another officer of his court to see how the men were getting on and to ascertain whether the cloth would soon be ready. It was just the same with this gentleman as with the minister. He surveyed the looms on all sides, but could see nothing at all but the empty frames. Does not this stuff appear as beautiful to you as it did to my lord the minister? asked the impostors of the emperor's second ambassador, at the same time making the same gestures as before, and talking of the design and colors which were not there. I'm certainly a plot stupid, thought the messenger. It must be that I am not fit for my post, my good, profitable office. That is very odd. However, no one shall know anything about it. And accordingly, he praised the stuff he could not see, and declared that he was delighted with both colors and patterns. Indeed, please your imperial majesty, said he to his sovereign when he was returned. The cloth which the wearers, weavers, are preparing is extraordinarily magnificent. The whole city was talking of the splendid cloth with the emperor, which the emperor had ordered to be woven at his own expense. And now the emperor himself wished to see the costly manufacture, while it was still in the loom. Accompanied by a select number of officers of the court, among whom were the two honest men who had already admired the cloth, he went to the crafty impostors, who, as soon as they were aware of the emperor's approach, went to working more diligently than ever, although they still did not pass a single thread through the looms. 
Is not the work absolutely magnificent? said the two officers of the crown, already mentioned. If your majesty will only be pleased to look at it, what a splendid design! What glorious colors! And at the same time they pointed to the empty frames, for they imagined that everyone else could see this exquisite piece of workmanship. How is this? said the emperor to himself. I can see nothing. This is indeed a terrible affair. Am I a simpleton? Or am I unfit to be an emperor? That would be the worst thing that could happen. Oh, the cloth is charming, said he aloud. It has my complete approbation. And he smiled most graciously and looked closely at the empty looms. For on no account would he say that he could not see what two of the officers of his court had praised so much. At his retinue now strained their eyes, hoping to discover something on the looms. But they could see no more than the others. Nevertheless, they all exclaimed, Oh, how beautiful! and advised his majesty to have some new clothes made from the splendid material for the approaching procession. Magnificent, charming, excellent, resounded on all sides. And everyone was uncommonly gay. The emperor shared in the general satisfaction and presented the impostors with the riband of an order of knighthood to be worn in their buttonholes and the title of Gentleman Weavers. <laughs> the rogues sat up the whole of the night before the day on which the procession wished to take place, and had sixteen lights burning so that everyone might see how anxious they were to finish the emperor's new suit. They pretended to roll the cloth off the looms, cut the air with their scissors, and sewed with needles without any thread in them. See, cried they at last, the emperor's new clothes are ready. And now the emperor, with all the grandees of his court, came to the weavers, and the rogues raised their arms as if in the act of holding something up, saying, Here are your majesty's trousers. Here is the scarf. Here is the mantle. The whole suit is as light as a cobweb. One might fancy one has nothing at all on when dressed in it. That, however, is the great virtue of this delicate cloth. Yes, indeed, said all the courtiers, although not one of them could see anything of this exquisite manufacture. If your imperial majesty will be graciously pleased to take off your clothes, we will fit on the new suit in front of the looking-glass. The emperor was accordingly undressed, and the rogues pretended to array him on his new suit. The emperor turning round, from side to side, before the looking-glass. How splendid his majesty looks in his new clothes, and how well they fit! Everyone cried out. What a design! What colors! 
These are indeed royal robes. The canopy, which is to be borne over your majesty in the procession, is waiting, announced the chief master of the ceremonies. I am quite ready, answered the emperor. Do my new clothes fit well, asked he, turning around once again before the looking glass in order that he might appear to be examining his handsome suit. The lords of the bedchamber who were to carry his majesty's train felt about on the ground as if they were lifting up the ends of the mantle and pretended to be carrying something, for they would by no means betray anything like simplicity or unfitness for their office. So now the emperor walked under his high canopy in the midst of the procession through the streets of his capital and all the people standing by and those at the windows cried out, Oh, how beautiful are our emperor's new clothes! What a magnificent train there is to the mantle and how gracefully the scarf hangs! In short, no one would allow that he could not see these much-admired clothes, because in doing so, he would have declared himself either a simpleton or unfit for his office. Certainly, none of the emperor's various suits had ever made so great an impression as these invisible ones. What? The emperor has nothing at all on! said a little child. Listen to the, the voice of innocence, exclaimed his father, and what the child has said was whispered from one to another. But he has nothing at all on, at last cried out all the people. The emperor was vexed, for he knew that the people were right. But he thought the procession must go on now and the lords of the bedchamber took greater pains than ever to appear holding up a train, although, in reality, there was no train to hold. There's an allegory for Hollywood in there somewhere, but uh, I can't find the fabric of it. Remember to like and subscribe to the podcast at bedtimewithbbj.buzzsprout.com. Our final story, The Princess and the Pea by Hans Christian Andersen. Once upon a time, there was a prince who wanted to marry a princess. But she would have to be a real princess. He traveled all over the world to find one, but nowhere could he get what he wanted. There were princesses enough, but it was difficult to find out whether they were real ones. There was always something about them that was not as it should be. So he came home again and was sad. For he would have liked very much to have a real princess. One evening, a terrible storm came on. There was thunder and lightning, and the rain poured down in torrents. Suddenly, 
a knocking was heard at the city gate, and the old king went to open it. It was a princess, standing out there in front of the gate. But good gracious, what a sight the rain and the wind had made her look. The water ran down from her hair and clothes. It ran down into the toes of her shoes and out again at the heels. And yet, she said that she was a real princess. Well, we'll soon find that out, said the old queen. But she said nothing, went into the bedroom, took all the bedding off the bedstead, and laid a pea on the bottom. Then she took twenty mattresses and laid them on the pea, and then twenty elder-down beds on top of the mattresses. On this the princess had to lie all night. In the morning she was asked how she had slept. Oh, very badly, she'd say. I have scarcely closed my eyes all night. Heaven only knows what was in the bed, but I was lying on something hard, so that I am black and blue all over my body. It's horrible. Now they knew that she was a real princess, because she had felt the pee right through the twenty mattresses and the twenty elder-down beds. Nobody but a real princess could be as sensitive as that. So the prince took her for his wife, for now he knew that he had a real princess. And the pea was put in the museum, where it may still be seen if no one has stolen it. There. That is a true story. That is the end of tonight's stories. Do you want more? Do you have a story you'd like me to read? You can email me, bigvoicej at gmail.com. Join us live, 9 p.m. Eastern, on Thursday at twitch.tv slash bigvoicej. We will be here Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern. Once again, the address twitch.tv slash bigvoicej. You can also subscribe and review the podcast at bedtime with bbj.buzzsprout.com. Thanks so much for listening. Good night. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>